Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I am elated. I'm not allowed to say excited because my producer keeps hitting me. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm overjoyed. I'm. It's a pleasure. <laughs> like, and I'm I'm often excited. Okay. But, um, it's good to have you here. I have with me Guam Felix, a stand-up comic. Yes. Uh, who actually started in La Jolla at the mm-hmm. comedy store there. Yep. And worked their way up mm-hmm. and got to the Los Angeles comedy store yeah as well as many other clubs where mm-hmm. he performs um he has headlined he's been sidelined he's been um <laughs> i don't know if you've ever been flatlined but uh, almost a couple times a couple times yeah that's uh and uh it's, it's good to have you here thank you so much for having me so now i have to ask you because i always like my own assumption because mm-hmm. we all make very wrong assumptions i figured that maybe guam came from like maybe you had family that was from Guam well, and they actually, just loved the name? Or? Well, it's actually my nickname. It's your nickname. Okay. People people in high school started calling me Guam because I went to a real ghetto high school. Oh, okay. And they would call people where they're from. Like we had, there was a guy there, they would call him Arkansas. There was a guy there, they called him Chicago. Okay. There was another guy there, they called Detroit. You right. know what I'm saying? So. When they asked me, hey, where are you from? I was all like, oh, my family's from a little island called Guam. So all the black guys were like, okay, we can call you Guam then. So then they just stuck. Oh, that's hilarious. So yeah. you re- your family is from Guam originally? Yes, they are. Yes. Oh, so okay. Both my parents are from Guam. So yeah. I sort of had, I mean, I know where Guam, it's part of the United States, yeah. sort of. It's, a, it's U- a territory. Yeah, it's a U.S. territory. A lot of people don't know where it's at. Basically, it's like um, California is a five-hour flight to Hawaii. And then from Hawaii to Guam, it's like a seven-hour flight. Wow. So it's like underneath the Philippines, you know, in that area. It's in the middle of nowhere. Do you fly back there? Are your parents still in Guam? I haven't I haven't been there in a very I haven't been there in about twenty years because wow. just because I just been so busy doing stuff here in the States. Well that so. is sort of a good excuse. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's because, a long flight. Yeah, because if I go, my mentality now is if I go, I might just stay there and just <laughs> because I always tell people like if you watch that commercial about the guy that's sitting on the beach in the beer and they show the sand and he's just right. sitting there, that's like Guam to me. You know, right. that's the kind of lifestyle I could live. But I would rather be a starving comedian and be poor and be out here in Hollywood <laughs> doing stand up comedy because I love it so much. Yeah. So, you know, like I don't have any like, you know, I don't have a 401k or anything or retirement. My retirement plan is that once I decide to give up stand up comedy and, you know, move out of Hollywood. I'm going to go to Guam and just, you know, live on the beach, basically. That's cool. Now, yeah. the, now the Guam beach, it's a, is it a lot smaller than Hawaii? I yeah. Basically, the only difference that I tell everybody is that um, Guam is just like about maybe eight degrees hotter than Hawaii. Okay. And the island is smaller. And um, the, the main difference is that uh, they have a city there. Well, we call it a village. It's like it's called Tumon where all the tourists are. So that's right. like the main place where all the tourists go. But the rest of the island is pretty much just like an island. Okay. You know, there's people like people build houses and stuff, but a lot of people live like on ranch style. So mm-hmm. they have like people have ranches where they have like pigs and ducks and chickens and stuff like that. Where, where, where my family was originally from, there's a village called Agate. And when I went down there when I was like, I think 
I went down there when I was, I think, about 17 or 18 and only stayed there for a little bit. And then I moved back there when I was like 25 and I stayed there almost three years. But I was actually staying on a ranch. Uh huh. My dad built a little house and we, like I said, we had animals. You know, I actually went down there and I lost a lot of weight because I was just eating stuff off the ranch. Right. So I was eating like bananas and apples and whatever fruit we had, you know, and then if, you know, if you wanted to cook something, you just killed it. Right. So <laughs> if I wanted chicken, I just grab one and cook it up. You know, right, that was the right. thing. Or yeah. my dad would decide, hey, something's coming up. Let's kill this pig, you know, and then, you know, barbecue the pig. Right. The pig's that, like, I hope nothing's coming up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they are like no celebrations. Yeah. So, you know, so that's so that's that's the island life. That's basically the island life. And how did you get transported to Washington State? Well, my dad was in the military. Uh, okay. So my dad was in the military. So my Got dad it. was stationed up there in Washington in, in Tacoma and Fort Lewis. Okay. And most of my mom's family at the time was in Bremerton. So I was okay. born in Bremerton and my dad was in Tacoma. And then, you know, we kind of lived in that area. Okay. Till I was like 11, 12. And then. My dad got a job with the post office when I was 12, and we ended up moving down to San Diego. Okay. Yeah. So how did you become a Florida State fan? Okay. That, <laughs> that thing, makes no sense. I know. Everybody always <laughs> asks that question. This would happen. I was playing, like, I was about to start my freshman year in high school, and I was talking to one of the coaches, and the coaches was telling the players, hey, listen, guys, you got to start watching college. You got to start watching the NFL to inspire yourself to be a better football player. Yeah. So that Saturday, I turned on the TV. I'll never forget this. I turned on the TV. The The game that they were showing on television was Florida State versus Clemson, and Deion oh. Sanders was on that team. Okay. So Deion Sanders, like, it was the craziest thing I ever saw because Deion Sanders doing all this crazy stuff, and I was so like, oh, my God, this is, like, the greatest thing ever. Look at all these, these like, 60,000 people, like, at yeah. the stadium going nuts, and then I just started following them. Wow. And I was the only, it was so weird because I was the only person at that time that I knew that was in San Diego that was buying, like trying to find Florida State stuff and wearing it all the time. But right. uh, some people got it because Deion Sanders at the time was so huge. Right. He was like, you know, the best college football player. He came in, he went to go to play for the Atlanta Falcons. And then, you know, he was such a bigger than life thing that people understood it. They're like, oh, you're just a fan of Deion Sanders. So that's why you started following Florida State. Yeah. yeah well, so. Now, did they beat Clemson? I hope. Yeah, they did. They beat. Oh, them okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not a Clemson fan. So. Yeah. Are you? Are did you go to college? Um, I did. I went to a. Um, I went to a sort of privil- uh, private liberal arts college. Okay. That our football team played other high schools. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a Tennessee Volunteer fan. Okay. Is that I where you grew up? up? That's. I grew up in Tennessee. Okay. I had orange socks, orange underwear, yeah. orange sweatsuits. Yeah. Orange T-shirt, everything was orange. Do we actually had? It's so funny that you said that because we had a kid that transferred to my high school, and he was from Tennessee. Yeah, and he was the only one kind of like me. He was wearing the Tennessee, the bright orange, the bright Tennessee orange. jacket. Yeah, and you know, and they started calling him Tennessee. Okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like, hey, Tennessee, what's up, Tennessee? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that was another thing too because. At a young age, I got exposed to how crazy college football is. Yeah. Like, and now it's a billion-dollar business. Yeah. No, yeah. it's um, – well, I went to a Florida State-Auburn um, game. Oh, Florida yeah. State. It was insane. Um, I'm just glad you weren't a Gators fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that makes – The rivalry – if if anybody's listening right now, you if you're if you're a college football fan, you will understand the whole rivalry, the jargon, yeah, the smack talking. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, like I hate 
University of Florida, and I hate the University of Miami, but I have friends that went there, right? And we're cool, but on game day, we're just like, and yeah. you know, what I'm saying we're just enemies. Yeah, no, so, no. My cousin's a yeah. Gator. And, oh yeah, uh, exactly. And Tennessee, sadly, used to be a big rival with Florida. Yeah, but yeah. after the last many games of losses, mm. uh, Tennessee just plays high school teams yeah. right now as oh, well. God. They're it's, so bad now. It's really yeah. sad. Well, Florida State's bad too. We just we just fired our coach oh yeah i so, saw that poor yeah. guy so we're like hopefully and that's another thing you know we're, we're gonna hear we're gonna talk about money like a lot of people don't understand that these college coaches are making millions of dollars millions of dollars millions of dollars and it's uh you know they just passed that new law that, right in california yeah that the the players could get paid for their likeness yeah and which is sad because the other players that brought it up in the past people like tim tebow and, uh, you know, like other guys that won the Heisman, they were like, yeah. you guys made so much money off me. Right. And I ha- I got nothing from it. Nothing. Yeah. But at least now it's going to it's about to change everything. And I think that's a I think that's a good thing. Did you want to be a star football player and go play for the NFL? Was well, like that your dream? Well, th- well, this would happen. You know, you always hear about stories about guys that got hurt. I was one of those guys. Uh, okay. So my goal was from freshman on was that I. I I wanted to play college football. That was mm-hmm. the goal. So I was actually a decent student. The couple of times I was on the honor roll, I was uh my senior year I was at, I was actually athlete of the year. I played football, basketball, and I ran track uh, almost all four years. But what happened was um I was supposed to go play football for the University of New Mexico. Okay. And um the March March or April of my senior year, I was working out with one of my friends, my you know football player friends and i felt a very sharp pain in my back so i thought it was going to go away but it didn't go away and then i went to go see the doctor and the doctor basically told me he's like hey you have a disc slipping in your back wow and he goes i don't think you should suit up and play any kind of hard contact sports because then you're gonna you're gonna have to get surgery that's gonna just you know as much pain as you're in right now it's gonna get worse so my football dream just went down out the out the window and uh, a year later, I ended up having surgery on my back. Man. Yeah. So I went through like a little depression because of that. But yeah. it was weird because I knew there was something else out there for me. And it turned out to be stand-up comedy. And how did you discover that that was it? Like you didn't have a backup plan. Your dreams got, yeah. just got dashed. Well, what happened was I was dating a girl at San Diego State. And I just had a regular you know, job. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she goes, hey, did you ever think about doing stand-up comedy? And I was like, no. She goes, I noticed that every time you're at my house, you're always watching it. And you always want to go to these shows and watch because I was just in love. It was so fascinating to me. Right. You know, and at the time, HBO, the Deaf Comedy Jam just came out. Right. And they had, you know, it was like a new thing. Right, right, And right. everybody was like, you know, in in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, it was like comedy clubs were everywhere. And it was all over television. So the very first time I, I went to the La Jolla Comedy Store... I went up and I bombed. You know, right. I went up super late after the shows, maybe like five or six comics. My girlfriend was actually there and she told me, she goes, listen, you suck because you're just new. She goes, you got to keep on going back. You got to keep on going back. So it just put the fire in me. And That's then cool. I knew I kind of took the same mentality as when I was trying to be a football player. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got to, I got to work at this. Yeah. I got to watch. I got to write. I got to get up as many times as I want. And San Diego is the perfect place to try to get good in stand up in stand up because there's, you know, they have clubs there, and at the time there was everybody was either throwing a show or there was a lot of open mics. Right. So me and my friend uh, Matt Augusta at the time, we were trying to get up like four times a night. 
Yeah. So we were just, we jump in his truck. We go, okay, we're going to do the mic at the Lloyd Comedy Store. And then we got this mic at this coffee place. And then we're going to go do this other show because our other friend has this other show. So we were getting up like a lot. Yeah. And you know, it was just one of the things, like I tell everybody, it's kind of like joke heroin. You just get hooked on it and you, you just do. want to keep on doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. So I remember the first time I did open mic at La Jolla and we stopped off at the Jack in the Box down near the yeah, corner. Yeah. And I could barely eat. I, yeah. I was about to just puke my guts out. Of course. It's a long drive from L.A. Yeah. And then it's going to be a l- even longer drive back if mm. you completely suck. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, San Diego is a great place. It is. For, I, for comedy. I, yeah. I try to. I try to. It's something I've been trying to teach all of the young comics that I'm meeting here in L.A. I'm like, you know, the stage time here is so scarce. Yeah. And yep. even if you do an open mic, you're only going to do three, four minutes when I'm like, hey, man, you can go down to San Diego. And they got some open mic. You're doing 10 minutes at some of these open mics. Right. And then if you're good, guys have shows. They'll put you up. You could do 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So it was easier for me to. uh, And then once I started working at the comedy store, it was easier down in La Jolla because at that time we were getting up Wednesday, Thursdays and Sundays. And we all had 10 minute spots and store guys. And then on the other days, like Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, me and whoever would just, hey, let's go mic it up. Let's go right. do this show. There's that show, this show. So I was getting up every night consistently for years. Yeah. Yeah. So you, when you, earlier you said you love being in Hollywood, even yeah. though you're a broke stand-up comic, yeah. it's better than being uh, anywhere else. Yeah. And eventually the retirement plan is to go back to Guam yeah. and lay on the sand. Pretty much so. Get a little yeah. bit of island fever. <laughs> um, just, just, I've been to Hawaii. My cousin used to live there. Um, do you, like, what is it that, what is it keeps you going? Mm-hmm. And so you're not making a million dollars a year no. yet. Yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're probably, is it all, are you still dating the girl who, the woman who got no. you into comedy? No, I let, I, I messed that up. I should, that, that girl's. Uh, she's pretty smart to like push you in. Man, that girl, no, that girl was, okay. I've had this thing and I joke about, I joke around about this, but, um, there's this thing that women that are very intelligent always want to be with the guys that are like the worst people for them. And I was that guy. She was. Yeah. yeah because she was going to rehabilitate you. <laughs> I already knew this girl was going to do something with her life because she was in school. She was always <laughs> talking about getting further education and she uh-huh. wanted to be a millionaire and her parents were well off, you know, and this and that. And I, I used to just look at her and be like, why the hell are we together? And and it's always the same response. They always say, "Oh, because uh, you're so different. You're so different." Like a lot of like another girl that I used to date. This girl was the valedictorian of her high school, and she had a uh, she had a full ride scholarship to uh, NYU. Okay, but she didn't go because she wanted to stay in San Diego with me. Wow! And I was telling her to go. Right. I was like, "No, no, no! You're you gonna go. jump on that plane." And go, but she was like, I can go wherever the hell I want to. Cause you know, she was that smart. Right. So sort I of. think, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> and her parents, oh my God, when I met her, her, her parents, her parents were so mad at me when, the, yeah. when I met. And I, was, I remember talking to the dad and I told him, I said, Hey, listen, you know, sir, I was like, I'm telling your daughter to leave. I don't want her to be here in San Diego. Right. You know, that's NYU. That's a whole different experience. Wow. It's a, it's a tremendous college. You know what I'm saying? But what happened was, we were still dating. She was going to school in San Diego, but then, of course, we ended up breaking up, and then she just went to NYU. <laughs> and now she makes, like, she works for, like, some big 
um, investment firm, and she makes like I don't know, she probably makes like two hundred thousand dollars a year or something crazy. Well, it sounds like you might have a four hundred one k plan there, like finding the smart rich girl. I don't know um, what it is, you know, and uh, life it's could be like, good. I know. I I joke around. It, there's something about. I think it's because um, a lot of women, when they're when they're successful, when they're educated, and they're successful. They kind of like it's almost like a power thing. They see somebody that they feel like, hey, you know what? I could change this guy around. This mm-hmm. guy has potential. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like this guy, but I could fix him up. You know what That's I'm right. saying? I could fix this guy up, and I could better his life. But in the end, you know what I'm saying? They just realize, like, oh my god, why did I waste my time with this guy? So it's like a rescue puppy that just, like, yeah, couldn't be trained. Well, another <laughs> thing too was that I was, you know, back in the, I think I always tell us, always the opposite opposites attract. So me, like. Being around, like, I went to, like, a real ghetto high school. So, me being around that kind of element and, yeah. and being a certain kind of way, I attracted all these really smart girls. Yeah. You know, like, some of these girls, you know, I was just like, you come from such a good family. Like, why are you, you know, they're just, I don't know, you're just different. Like, you're they a bad just, boy. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. It's just kind of like, you know, the girl could be, like, at, at church, but, you know, the biker guy could drive around in his motorcycle and she'll be like, I want to be with that guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know uh. what I'm so, yeah. Now, did you have a lot of brothers and sisters? I have uh, no sisters, and I have three brothers. Okay. But I'm kind of like, I was like the mama's boy. So okay. my mom taught me how to like clean and cook and stuff like that. So I'm oh, very- okay. you So know, you're I, useful around the house. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing, too, because when girls were dating me, they realized like, oh, damn, look, this guy like washes dishes. You know what I'm saying? Right. This, could <laughs> this, be- guy, cook, this guy cooks for me, so it's kind of like, you know, a little bonus there, so- what did your parents, when you were a kid, did your parents have any catchphrases around money um, um, or did they, I mean, your dad was in the military. He probably had. Yeah. My dad was very strict. Okay. My dad was the, the hardest, this is the thing. My dad was one of the hardest working men I ever met in my life, but he always used to tell me, that's why I kind of always started to get, have good grades was he was always telling me like, Hey, listen, stay in school, stay in school, stay in school. Because what my dad, what my dad would do was my dad would work at the post office. This is when I was in high school. My dad would work at the post office. He would come home and then he would grab me and my brothers and we would go do work. Like we would go do like maintenance work at somebody's house. We would either go cut their grass, cut hedges, cut people's trees down, paint people's houses. And I I used to get so mad at my dad because I used to go by the time we come home. I just had football practice for three hours. We would work and then come home. It's already 10 o'clock and I started doing my homework. Right. And then I had problems waking up in the morning. Yeah. You know, my mom would be like, hey, you know, you got to wake up. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. You know what I'm saying? I said, mom, we, me and my brother, we were just cutting down trees last night. You know what I'm saying? Right. But my dad did that on purpose because he made it. He gave us a really good work work ethic. Yeah. He didn't want us to be lazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's another problem I've had with the relationships because I've always been a workaholic. I always like to have two jobs. Right. You know, and and even at one point I told everybody I kind of had like three jobs because basically what I was doing was I had a day job what doing whatever. I worked at the comedy store at night at La Jolla and then I would do shows. I would book shows, you know, on right, any right. given nights or whatever. Right. So I basically producer. Had, yeah, I had three jobs. Right. So. And that's just my mentality. I just like being like that. Yeah. You know, sometimes I just can't be too bored. You know, I got to be doing something all the time. So, Do you, um, 
in currently, do you have a budget? Do you look at your money numbers? Do you sort of know how much it costs each month? To I live? am, I am the most frugal person that I know. Um, I'm the type of person that, um, like anytime I go to the store, like, let's say I go to like target or something, I won't buy something unless it's on sale. I'll figure it out. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't go to fast food places unless I order like off the dollar menu. Okay. You know, and uh, I've always been like that. I just been very frugal with money, <laughs> but I don't, I don't like, I, it's kind of weird, but I don't spend money on myself though. Right. I'm the type of person that, you know, I save up money. If somebody needs help, I'll give them money. You know, I like to buy like little gifts for whoever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just, I just messaged one of my nieces and I'm going to send her money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cause she just had a baby, whatever. So, and money personally to me, I've been in situations over my life that, um, I know me personally, that money doesn't make me happy. Right. Because I've been exposed to like the love from people. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen people like perfect example. Like I don't drive. I had a truck and I sold it. Okay. You know, because the reason why I did that was I got so tired of the the hassle of having a vehicle here in Hollywood. Yeah. It's a, I'd come home. I could never find parking. Yeah. I was getting tickets. I'd get stuck in traffic. Mm-hmm. I'd go somewhere and I couldn't find parking. You know what I'm saying? It was such a hassle just to have a vehicle. Yeah. So I was all like, you know what? I'll just do public transportation. And it's a, it's, sometimes it's, I just have to time it out right. And it's kind of a hassle. Right. But me knowing that I'm not getting stuck in traffic because I always feel like I'm wasting my time. Right. Like I know people do a thing where some people like live in San Diego and they drive up to LA or vice versa to go work. Right. That would drive me crazy. I can't right. do that. I can't be stuck in a car like that. Cause even, even when I would go do stand up, like I would jump in somebody else's car, and we'd go drive somewhere. If we got stuck in traffic, I'm like, I'm wasting my life right now. Right. We've been in traffic for three hours. This is, I could have been doing something else with my time instead of be sitting here sure. in this vehicle. So, now, is that hard on dates when you say take the number seven bus? Or you know what? I've been I've been single fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry. Um, the reason why is because I'm more. I've been. How can I say this? I went on a ridiculous run when it came to women. Mm-hmm. So, um, back in like the reason why I've been single the past fifteen years is because my mom passed away. 15 years ago. Mm. And I realized that once my mom passed away, I kind of, it, it, it hurt me so bad because I realized that damn, I was doing, I was hurting all these girls because most of the girls that I dated and I was with, I should have just married them. Right. They were such good people. Right. But I was being such a dog because I'm in San Diego and I was, um, Kind of, you know, I was a radio DJ. I started DJing at clubs, so I had all these women trying right. to date me and see me all the time. Right. So it was hard for me to settle down with somebody. Right. And even if I did settle down with somebody, I ended up cheating on them anyways. Right. So after my mom passed away, I just told myself, like, okay, listen, it's more important to me right now that I have good relationships with women that are going to last forever. Yeah. Like, you know, like I just had... uh I just I play chess with this with this one girl and she actually just dropped me off and we we have a very loving relationship because it's strictly platonic. Right. And I've been friends with her for like 10 years. 
Yeah. So she knows I never would try to do anything with her, and she knows she's never going to try to do nothing with me. Right. But that's the kind of thing that I love, you know, because I figure, why am I going to be in a relationship with somebody and knowing myself that I'm probably going to fuck it up? So I, I would rather be friends with you and let me love you forever. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, keep it less complicated. Keep yeah. it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. What would you say, because um, I know we're getting towards the end and I want to ask this, what would you say is the best piece of financial advice you ever got? Um, It's something that I heard. It's, it's, the thing that, it's the thing that Jay Leno said on an interview. And he said, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but basically he was saying, um, it's better to make $30,000 a year doing something you love than $300,000 a year, something you hate. Yeah. And that stuck with me because I looked up to him so much as being a comedian. Right. And, you know, coming from the comedy store and me being down in La Jolla that I said, you know what? And, and living my life, I realized that, you yeah. know, money doesn't buy you. Like, this is one of the craziest things that I've ever heard was um, I met a guy that went over $30 million in the lottery. Um, and we had this long conversation and he told me how miserable he was. And I was like, why are you miserable? You got $30 million. He goes, dude, I lost all my friends. Right. He goes. I used to drive a truck and we used to have a bowling league and me and the, my buddies, my coworkers, we would bowl on Wednesdays and bowl on Saturdays. You know what I'm saying? And I yeah. would go to these guys, kids, birthday parties. And I was happy. I was happy after I won the money. I tried to keep my job, but my friends kept on asking me for money. Right. And he was like, I ended up cutting them all off. Right. Because he was like, well, it was weird because just because he won that money, all of a sudden they acted like they needed all this stuff. Right. All of a sudden they were entitled. Yeah. And then yeah. they were like, wait a minute. I've known you guys for years. It, if I went to your kid's birthday party, you never asked me for money once. Right. <laughs> just right, because right. I won the lottery, all of a sudden you guys need all this stuff. Like, all of a sudden you, you're yeah, an ATM. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and he was miserable. And yeah. I asked, I go, what do you do now? And he goes, oh, I just, I play golf now. And I mentor kids playing golf. Wow. So that's the new thing. That's his his like that's joy. His yeah. That's his you know his passion now. Mm-hmm. He has the money enough to, you know, you know play at the best golf club. You know places right. all he over. Probably the buy a couple of them. Yeah, but him it means more to him that he's mentoring these kids that are falling in love with the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. No, I do think it's important. I mean, I I'm also aware that Jay Jay Leno probably has. Hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. so it's easy for him to say, "Do what yeah. you love." But yeah, but this <laughs> but when, when when he did this interview, it was right when he just started. Oh, like wow. when he just started wow. doing this okay. was an old. This was oh, okay so, when he first like got the Tonight Show. Okay, because they were trying to ask him like, you know, Jay, you were like living out of your car, right? And then all of a sudden, now they hand you like an eight million dollar check, right? And from what I've heard, they said that he still saved up, like he's never spent any money. Like from him doing either stand up or the TV show, like he just wow. stacked it in the bank. Good for him for a rainy day. But I mean, you see his uh, cars. Yeah, he, that's his passion. Yeah, exactly. Well, you I know? guess if you live in them long enough, um, yeah, they're sort of like <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Oh, I just want to tell a quick story. Um, things happen to people when they're younger, and when once they make money, there's certain things. Uh, the comedian Steve Harvey said told the funniest story. 
they're interviewing at his brand new house and he has like there it's like he's seven done well yeah it's seven bedrooms and like 12 bathrooms right and they go steve why do you have 12 bathrooms he goes because when i was little and i lived in the small house with all my cousins and stuff like that we would always fight over the bathroom there was only one bathroom right so he said if i ever get rich I'm going to make sure that when my family comes over and they need to go pee or use the bathroom, they don't have to wait for nobody. Oh, man. See, because that was the main thing. Because even his wife was like, why do we got to have all these bathrooms? He goes, you don't understand. Yeah. When my nephews and my nieces and my kids are over here, I don't want them to hesitate. When they need the bathroom, there's 12 of them. There's 12 of them. Go use one of them. Doesn't matter if it's Thanksgiving dinner. There's enough bathrooms for everybody. Yeah. You know, that was like the motivating thing about him getting that house. (laughs) I can relate to that. Yeah. I can relate to that. Well, so it sounds like, I mean, I know we're getting to the end here, but it sounds like, um, you know, it's have a retirement plan, even if it's going to Guam and uh, <coughs> hanging out on the beach. Yeah. Every, um, everybody's different, though. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. But do what you love. Exactly. Like, do what you love. And when things get complicated, try to make it simple. Exactly. Like, don't. Life doesn't have to be that difficult and complicated. I, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. I um, my best advice if anybody's listening to it right now listen take everything one day at a time one day at a time you know uh you know John Witherspoon just passed away and I was watching all the you know his son JD comes here to the story just shows he okay, you know yeah. he hangs yeah, out yeah yeah that's right 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 you know he's he's a great guy and um you know I'm watching online all the guys speak at his funeral mm-hmm. and his thing that's why i tell everybody just take everything one day at a time you know because you know you never know what's gonna happen tomorrow every day every day just yeah same same thing with my mom like if i knew my mom was gonna die the day she died i would have done been doing different things right because you just never know no day is guaranteed so yeah no day is guaranteed Well, where can people find you on social media? Where can people check you? Um, just add me on Instagram. It's under Guam Felix. You can add me on Facebook, Guam Felix, Twitter. Everything's under Guam Felix. So, yeah. And if you guys want to come see me, I'm here at the Comedy Store like five nights a week. So, And that's Guam like the island. Yeah. G-U-A-M-F-E-L-I-X. And... um. No, man, it's been great having you on here. Man, that was quick, man. How what was I that, know, like 10 minutes? Like, it was like, man, we got to do another episode of this because there's so a, much other stuff we got to talk about. I, I Seriously, know, that thank good. you so much, man. No, that was man, quick. it's, yeah, that was like about almost 40 minutes. Yeah, dude, Isn't that, that crazy. It seems like we're talking for like three minutes. It's, no, that's, you <laughs> yeah. know, but that's, that's why I love doing this. I yeah. love having these conversations around money because so many people don't know how to deal with money. Yeah. And it's an opportunity to see that, like, mm-hmm. there's no shame in that. Well, like, the we're next, all trying to figure it out. The next episode you put me on, we will focus more on. I will break down more stuff about money. You'll break it down. Yeah, well, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen. Don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for money. You should ask all one word. And if you have a question you'd like to ask one of our future guests, you can visit us at our website, moneyyoushouldask.com, and click on Ask Bob. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player, if it's not one of the other ones. For tips, stories, financial tools to help you have a healthier relationship with money, be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. Guam, thanks for Thank coming you. on, and Thank we'll have more me. conversations. Yeah, I'm coming back for another episode. I'm already, I'm booking myself. I'm booked. <laughs> He's booked, and you're, you're a booker, so you yeah. got to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man.